Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Actor, playwright, storyteller, all described Marion Leacha, my guest today. Her stage credits are numerous and include roles in such plays as the world premiere of Destiny of Desire, Anna in the Tropics, which won a Pulitzer, and both were staged at the Arena Theater in Washington, D.C., Other theatrical credits include the Kennedy Center's national tour of Maggie Magalita, several productions at the Capitol Fringe Festival, and Repertorio Español. As a playwright, Marion, who was born in Puerto Rico, draws on real-life stories, especially those that empower women. And to that end, she co-wrote and has starred in the one-woman show, Frida, Vice Versa, conveying how Frida Kahlo's spirit prevailed despite the male-dominated artistic world. By the way, Marion plays not only the renowned artist Frida Kahlo, but Guillermo, her father, Diego Rivera, her husband, and Christina, her sister. Frida Kahlo notwithstanding, Marion's work as a playwright draws on real-life stories about people who remain in the shadows. She also finds plenty of humor in the inevitable culture clash that comes with being a Latina in an Anglo culture. One of her more recent works, a volunteer about undocumented immigrants, was part of Playwrights Arena. Marion, who has a bachelor's degree in theater from George Washington University, a master's in educational theater from NYU, also studied at the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute in Manhattan. Marion, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sandy. So, Marion, when you were a little girl, did you put on plays in the backyard of your house in where in Puerto Rico, by the way? In San Juan. Okay. In the city. Oh, yes. I remember actually... Uh, playing around the reflection of the glass pane of the terrace and looking at myself and then pretending that I'm, that I'm speaking English and singing, you know. So so yeah, since I'm a little girl, I'm, I'm performing. Did you speak English when you were a little girl? Well, I, I did. I mean, in Puerto Rico, since you're in kindergarten, you start learning English. But I remember before that, my parents speaking English when they didn't want me to understand what they were saying. And <laughs> I would right. get so upset that I would pretend that I was speaking English. <laughs> uh-huh. But so was that interest in putting on plays fostered in you both in school and at home? Oh, definitely. At home and in school, any opportunity I had, um, and I actually have an anecdote. I was like 10 or 11, and I was in a Catholic school, and all my sisters were studying at the same time. I mean, but they were older than me. How many children were in your family? Uh, We were five. Five girls? uh, No, four girls and one boy. Okay, a poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And the principal came over. I was with a friend of mine, and she said, we we need someone to play the piano. We're having an event. And I raised my hand, and my friend, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, we we can do it. We can do it. And I, you know, and and so I told her, I, I thought that I knew how to play the piano because at home we had a piano, and I would just fiddle, you know, in the piano, and I would go, do, a dear, a female. And I thought that was playing the piano. So I thought, what an opportunity. So... Anyway, the day comes when we have to play the piano, and it was in front of the whole school. My sisters were there, and um, the thing was that somebody who really played the piano played before a classical piece. You know, and, I, and then they said, they announced, now Marian Licha and Janine Trigo in the piano. And my sister's friends were, I didn't know your sister played the piano. And right. my sister, oh, I didn't either. So I sat down and I started, oh dear, and my friend just froze. 
And then I just poked at her, and finally she reacted, and she did do, mi, 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 so, so. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So we played it in front of the whole school, and that was like my, and you one pulled of it my off. first performances. Oh, yes, I did. So I that did. just speaks volumes to what you thought of you. I say that in a positive way, oh. that, that, oh, I, I can pull this off, or this is not a big deal. Right. I mean, and it was so exciting, but I realized at the moment that, oh, my goodness, I better do this with dignity after hearing the, you know, a real piano Well, classical music me. and then doe a deer, I mean, that yeah, is a little really. eclectic uh, kind I, of a repertoire I, that's for the sure. school. That's for sure. Bring us along in growing up. How long did you stay in Puerto Rico? Clearly, you went to GW, as I mentioned. Is yeah. that when you came to the States? Yes, I came, and I did not plan to stay, but I did. Mm -hmm. I did. I, you know, I just studied acting and uh, then moved to New York, which was my dream, and studied at the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute and then joined a group called the Second Studio for Actors. I was invited by one of the teachers, Harv Dean, mm -hmm. from, uh, from uh, Lee Strasberg Theater Institute. And so I, you know, I worked with him for like three years with a group. And and then started doing commercials and voiceovers and plays and, and in your family, with, in terms of your brother and sisters, did all of you go to school in the states? One sister did. My brother did. Um, so a few of us. And did. when you got into GW, mm -hmm. did you and started going to school? Did you just make the assumption that you were going to stay and not go back home? No. Really, I was kind of improvising, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I did not know I would. I, I would it took end one up day staying. at a time. Exactly. Mean? Oh, absolutely. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh -huh. I did not know. And so, obviously, you had talent, and you knew that what when you were in school. I want to be an actress. Where I, did that all that figure? I wanted to be in front of the camera. And then, interestingly enough, I was not that interested in history when I was in high school, and I started being creative about getting the teacher's attention and doing something more interesting with history. So I would just read a few paragraphs and write a play and then include all of my friends. So so the writing a seed was there uh -huh. early on. Was it fostered at home? Oh, yes. My father was very encouraging and so was my mother about about writing. Mm -hmm. But they also one insisted on me taking a master's degree in case you have to teach. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. That makes that perfect sense. So you did a lot of performing during your college years and then upon graduation. Yes, yes, I did. Was it difficult for you back then to earn a living? Yes, of course, of course. And I actually was doing interpreting work also while I was, so when I didn't have uh, auditions, I was doing interpreting work. So I would go to uh, work with lawyers and do interpreting work, which I don't was know what that means. It, it means like if there was a deposition, yeah. I, they would call me. And I would freelance as an interpreter, and I would translate. And in a way, it was like acting, because I was role-playing the person, and but saying it in English, so that the lawyer would understand. If, if it was a, a Spanish speaker, oh, how I would be there, uh -huh. and I would be doing the interpretation, which is a translation. Sure. Oh, that's really interesting. And that interesting. was interesting work. Uh-huh. And, and paid the bills. Uh, right. It did. It did. And when you were in school, what was your end goal? Was it to be in live theater? Did you want to be in the movies? Did you want to be on television? I wanted to be in everything, in movies, in television, uh, but, but I had a passion for theater. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think there's nothing like live theater and, and, and that communication with the audience. And that's what propelled me to write the one-woman show, which was, I mean, it, it's like a master. It's as if Frida Kahlo came back from 
or at the end of her life and created a master class. And so I really, I'm, I'm talking to the audience mm-hmm. as if I'm talking to the students of Frida Kahlo. So we'll jump around, but let's mm-hmm. focus on that. Mm-hmm. And for those people who don't live around here, there has been an incredible exhibition of the life mm-hmm. of Frida Kahlo at the Brooklyn Museum, which I was fortunate enough to see. Mm-hmm. What was it about Frida that you wanted to share with the public? A friend of mine who was who is Mexican American, she knew that I wanted to write about a Latin American woman, and I wanted to write a one woman show, and she suggested. She said, "How about Frida?" And I knew it just clicked because I knew about her paintings and how vibrant and 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 what a she must be an interesting person. And also her personal life and her personal life. So I started doing all the research, and I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, what did I get myself into?" So I love a challenge. And so I continued doing my research. I joined a playwrights group, and I started writing. I started developing the piece about, oh my goodness, about 15 years ago. Oh, did you? Oh, uh-huh. yes. Oh, yes. It took a few years uh-huh. to, to write the piece. And then um, my first, the first time I did the piece was in a festival in New York. And it was the the Latino. I, I I don't know that they have the the same festival right now, but it was called the Coconut Hill Latino Festival, something like that. What drew you to her? I mean, and for those people not in the know, why don't you give a little backstory about what this woman had to overcome, which is extraordinary. Mm. I mean, I'm attracted to stories that inspire. And stories about people who, in spite of all the difficulties and all the... the Roadblocks? Yes, the roadblocks, thank you, that they can encounter, they she overcame them. Frida Kahlo had an accident uh, when she was a teenager. I mean, first of all, she had had polio right, she, uh, when she yeah. was a child. Right. And then she had a terrible uh, accident when she was 18, which made her... I mean, it took her a year to be able to walk. And she had many surgeries throughout her life. She had to wear corsets. I mean, it really had an impact in her life throughout her whole life. She was in a lot of pain. Right. And she was on a bus, correct? Yes, and she was on on a bus. And, and a trolley hit, hit the her, bus. Right. And, and she was impaled. Gosh. Exactly. Uh-huh. Horrible. And would paint, well, in her bed in traction. Right. Mm-hmm. She, that's how she started painting because uh, it was her mother brought the, the easel. And, and had a mirror, and, and, the, and that's what she could do in bed. And mm-hmm. then after that, she, that's when she approached uh, Diego Rivera mm-hmm. um, because she was interested in knowing if she really had talent. She didn't want to waste time, and she could not paint for her own vanity. She had to help her parents uh, financially, right. and, and so she wanted to make sure that if she was going to pursue art, that she had the talent. Mm-hmm. And she decided to go uh, show three paintings to Diego Rivera. And uh, he said right away, he, he was very, I mean, he was smitten, smitten mm-hmm. by her and, mm-hmm. and said she definitely had talent. Mm-hmm. So she spoke to you on many, many levels. Many, many. Y- yes. I mean, in so many levels, I, I mean, I don't know how to answer that. You knew that you had to share her story. Yes. So explain Mm -hmm. that. What was the hook for you about that? Uh, Well, I mean, it was her passion, her perseverance. I I was attracted to a Latino woman at that time in Mexico with the machismo. She prevailed. She uh, was able to break barriers 
And to me, that was so amazing. She, she, she was the first Latin American woman to have a painting in, at the Louvre Museum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She had her own uh, one-woman show before. Actually, she was very sick at the time. It was, I think, 1953, and she died in 1954. Yeah. And she was able to have her, own, her solo show in Mexico City. And that was unheard of mm -hmm. for a woman to mm -hmm. have a solo mm -hmm. show. And she was, of course, married to Diego Rivera, who was a muralist, which was completely different style. Right. He actually admired her style because he, he was envious of her style of painting because he, he thought that he could not accomplish such a personal experience inspiration and too. inspiration in, uh -huh. in the paintings. Well, also, their relationship was very, very fraught. And, I mean, not to go right to the salacious, but he also slept with her sister. Oh, yes. I'm, you know, this was, there was a lot going on in that family. A lot going on. A and they separated for a while. They separated. And she came to the States and, you know. Yes, they separated for like a year or two. And then they felt that they couldn't live without each other. And and she, you know, accepted him and, and wanted to marry him. But it w she was different. They had um, a house, uh, different rooms, different bedrooms, and a house, uh, different houses, actually, linked by a bridge. Mm -hmm. And she was go going to make her own living. And so she was a, a much more adult, independent woman mm -hmm. by the second time around and knew better who she had married, although I think she knew from the beginning, but she was so young. When she met, met him, him. Yes. the first time. Was, so was that an easy act for you to sit down and write Frida, vice versa? No, actually, I got so caught up in the, in the research part. And I was working at the time with Karen Zacharias, who's a very well-known playwright now. And, uh, and she was part of the Playwrights Forum. And I was working with her. And I remember her saying, Marian, stop. You've done enough research already. Start writing. And that day I wrote the first scene. Mm -hmm. And and they came out in, in spurts. Like they were just, it came like a puzzle, like little scenes here, another and another and another. And then I, I had originally the idea was that it was going to be a lesson because Frida used to teach art to uh, young students. And I thought this is going to be a class. And so so the way I have it conceived is 10 lessons. And it's, it's a class. It's a master class from Frida Kahlo. That's the format of That's this. the format of, of the one-woman show. And how long did it take you to write? It took like three years. It took three years. And actually, I met our Dennis Green in, during, in my class. And he was so smitten also by Frida and, and the writing that I decided to ask him to join me. And so he's a co-author. Of, of, of this, and so this has been performed all over the place. It has been performing many places in mm -hmm. New York, in in D.C., in Baltimore, in Massachusetts, um, in many places. Has it yeah. been performed in Mexico or Puerto Rico? You know, no. But I was interesting that you asked me that. Just yesterday, a friend of mine in Facebook asked me if I wanted to perform it in Puerto Rico. And he told me, I'm very busy this week, but call me next week. So maybe a match can be made. It may. And, and that will be pressure. You know, it's my um, relatives are there, friends from my childhood. I mean, but. But you're professional. Exactly. Marion. Exactly. This is, and know, I like a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like? going out on auditions and, and trying out for plays being a Latina. Did that work against you? Yes, but I think less now. And therefore, I thought, you know, 
I'm just going to create my own work. Right, because you can't play Stella in A Streetcar Named Desire. Right. No. That doesn't matter to you. It doesn't, but interestingly enough, if I work on a script, I can do the standard American if I work on a script. What does that mean, work on it? What do you mean? Meaning if I have, you know, they give me time and I have a script, a scene, I can work on the on the standard American and... And, 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 and how and do you feel about it. doing that? I mean, if I have to do it, I'll uh, do and it. And you did it in the past to get roles, correct? Yes, yes, uh-huh. yes. But that would be denying who you are. You know, that's the difficult part. Yes. Yeah, I guess you walk a fine line with that, right? Yes, uh-huh. because it's so entrenched into who you are. It's like a struggle inside. Why do I have to do this? But then I say, because you want other roles. Mm-hmm. But then I but then I answer to myself, well, why can't you have other roles with an accent? And and there I go. It's, yeah. it's a constant battle, battle. inside yeah. myself. So withdrawing into yourself and writing for you is a whole different ball game. Oh yes. Because you're in control oh, and yes. you, uh-huh. I like it. I like it. And uh, and now that I've written the the um, undocumented immigrant pieces, I want to actually And that's called a volunteer, right? Uh, well, there's several of them. One of them is called a volunteer and that one was produced uh, last month by Aurora Theater in uh, Atlanta. And that was so exciting because it's called micro theater. And apparently that's being done. It's been done in Miami. I know in, in Spain, I was in Spain recently, Madrid, and they do micro theater. And it's that they, they select short pieces and then the audience moves around. They go to different uh, rooms or different, mm-hmm. and they, they or, or I guess they pay for, let's say the offering is seven, but they can pay for five. Mm-hmm. And they go from one room to another and, and they watch these five short plays. Do you feel as mm-hmm. a Latina that you have this responsibility to get more out there about your culture, and especially now politically in terms of immigrants, mm-hmm. the landscape has changed. Yes. Yes. No, I definitely feel a responsibility. And, and those short plays about undocumented immigrants, I want to adapt them to make them a screenplay so that I can film them. And so that's my one of the projects I have in mind, film them and get them out there in YouTube, in whatever way I'll find a way. Or in schools. Or, or in schools. Mm-hmm. Yes. So talk about some of those works. What are some of the topics? I wanted to actually I didn't include one that would that's the separation of uh, children parents and, and parents. Um, but in a way I did because uh, for example in one of them there's a, a teenage boy who's practicing his basketball and finish practice and gets a phone call from his mom who's been detained. He's legally he's legal in this country but the, his mother is not. So that's you know one of the premises. Mm-hmm. There's another one where two young, I, I think they're like they're teenagers, fourteen and fifteen, and they somebody knocks at their door at their house, and it's uh, an ICE officer, and but the girls, one of them, the oldest one, uh, paid attention in school, and because they have been prepared mm. to know how to answer, mm, rehearsed and, and rehearsed. And so how does she deal with that and how children are becoming the, 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 the adults, the parents to their parents who don't speak the language? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that one. And then, then I have another one that's an ICE officer who is Hispanic. And 
he comes home, and that happens to be the day that his daughter is celebrating her quinceañera. Yes, 15 years old. Yep, Uh that big party. And she's dressed up with her beautiful dress, but she's sobbing. And when the when he, the father comes from work, uh, her her father comes from work. He opens the door and she's sobbing, and, and he thinks, well, "What happened? You don't like the decoration? You don't like the the balloons? What's going on?" And she finally tells him, "Well, you just detained one of my best friends today," uh, mm-hmm. and he he you know he has to admit finally, and he says, "Well, I didn't know I was going to." you know, go to her house and, uh, you know. Just doing my job, Doing right? my job. Mm-hmm. And and so, and therefore, and there's more, you know, more of a conflict uh, uh, between, of course, this daughter and, and his father. Did you ever think back in the day that you were going to get theatrically political? No. No, I'm not. A, I mean, I'm not that interested in politics, but it's like, it's unavoidable. Yeah, you can't help yourself. I can't. So what other things are you working on? And have you decided to sort of supplant the acting with the writing? Oh, no, no, no. Both, 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 both. Actually, I just got an offer, but I can't say yet because the theater hasn't announced it from a regional theater. I'm playing a leading role, but I can't say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. say because they, they haven't announced it. But as you look back over your career, are mm-hmm. you happy with where you've been and what you've done? And did your dreams come true? Well, you know what? It's interesting. Now I'm, I'm, I mean, as I was preparing my bio for you, I'm thinking, wow, I have done a lot. <laughs> I have accomplished a lot. Well, how old are you? <gasps> oh. Really? You no, want to answer that? I have to give an age range, remember. I have to give an age range. Okay. My age range is uh, 50 to 54. Okay. <laughs> okay, we can narrow it down. Are you worried about that working against you? Not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. I think there are roles for everybody, and and it's a mindset. Right. I agree. So go back to that. When you look back over your life and and based on where you are. Yes. Talk about how you feel about what you've accomplished. I have two daughters, and when I was bringing them up, I created the storytelling program. So I feel like I have really been able to make the best of what life had to offer at the time and still be creative. So I, I feel... I feel good about it. Well, talk about the storytelling program. I don't know that we spent much time Uh, on that. Well, I decided to take a workshop, a storytelling workshop with Anne Mestritz years ago. And and we clicked. And she, you know, she was encouraging me, oh, you you have this ability to tell stories and entertain so well. And I love children. And so anyway, I started working on, on stories that were interesting to me. And I was thinking of anecdotes that my father told me. And I was thinking of anecdotes that were happening to me with my own kids. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and for example, you know, yeah. part of my story, I say, um, I'm, I'm trying to get my girls ready to go to school. And a typical morning at my house would be would go like this. Buenos dias. Mm-hmm. Good morning, mom. Como están? Fine, thanks. Girls. Your English is so good. But if you also speak Spanish, you can communicate with many more people. Ah, We already have enough friends, Mom. Girls, you can always find a good job if you speak a second language. Ah, We're not looking for a job, Mom. Girls, it has been proven if you speak a second language, it makes you smarter. Ah, We're already smart enough. (laughs) Finally, that day I knew it was time to tell them the story about the little Mice. 
and then I go on. And that just came to you from a personal point of that, oh, that because absolutely. it happened to you? Oh, yes, absolutely. Although my girls, I remember going to their school and trying out some of the stories. And my girls were all embarrassed. My mom is here. Mm -hmm. and, and, and is that true? Their friends were asking. I said, no, my mom is lying. You know? <laughs> Well, so they, uh, yeah, that's a walking them. a fine line, exactly, yeah, yeah, being yeah, embarrassed yeah, yeah. and, yes, being proud, but not wanting to show that they're proud. Of course. And of so is that maybe more what you would like to do in the future, that you've got more stories in your soul and in your gut that you would like to share? Oh, definitely. I keep taking workshops because it helps me to have that structure. So I keep writing. I keep writing. Uh, when I'm not acting, I'm writing because I do have a lot of stories. And then it's interesting because... When, when I do, you know, prompts or when I set a timer, 10 minutes, and I once I put the pen on the paper, I'm not going to stop. And then I just keep writing, writing, writing for 10 minutes. And it's amazing how the subconscious works and all these ideas and all these even st and stories that my father used to tell me come out in ways that are really surprising. I don't know. It's like getting in touch with your subconscious in mm -hmm. a way when you do that kind of exercise. Do you see something in your future a la Frida, you know, a very extensive one-woman show? Definitely. And I have another. I, I started writing another one-woman show that is semi-autobiographical, and it has a lot of fantasy elements to it. But, you know, I have it there, but um, I haven't done anything with it. You know, that struck something with me about semi-autobiographical. Was this when you came here a really tough road to hoe? in terms of getting work and getting auditions because of who you are? Oh, yes, of course. I, I mean, I remember early on... Uh, Did you ever want to bag it, too? No, no, never. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. All right, never. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, no. Early okay. on, yeah. But I remember early on saying, you know, going to an audition and, and, and feeling welcomed. And then when they would hear my accent, they would say, oh, where are you from? And if I would say from Puerto Rico... I could see the faces just changing. Meaning and what? Meaning, oh, you are not what we thought you were. Mm -hmm. Because supposedly I don't look right. Puerto Rican. Right. I've heard so many times. But, right. You know. How do you deal with that? How did you deal with that? I just decided, first of all, they should not be asking that question. And, and, but they and, do. And, and they do. So then I learned to answer differently. Well, what are you looking for? I can play... Uh, a woman from Brazil, I can play an Italian, I can play a European woman, I can play this. That. So I would just say what I can do. Did you have difficulty getting an agent? At the time I did, but then I, I did find an agent that I was freelancing with. So, but, but you know what, ultimately you have to create your own work and you have to do your own work. I mean, mm -hmm. even now I have an agent and I'm not relying on my agent for well, not everybody opportunities. Well, not everybody can yeah. write a play. Have you gone back home and performed? Well, I may. I may. Uh, I mean, this. I got this phone call, and I may be, be going able back. to go back. And I and in high school, I would do Spanish operetas in Puerto Rico. So you sing too? In high school. Well, yeah, if I have to. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of your family seeing you perform, has that happened? Oh yes. Well, they come to Here. the states to uh -huh. see me. Yes. And as I said in my intro, you've been sort of all over the country. You do a lot of regional theater. Yes, yes. And by virtue of going to school in D.C., because the arena theater is in D.C., that that was a big base for you, That correct? was, that was. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, that was. So as we run and out of time, is. what is it, if I was your fairy godmother, that you would ask from me? Uh, professionally. Professionally. Um, 
I want to have the inspiration and an idea that will be very positive and inspiring to the world at large right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that you mean that could reach everyone? Yes, yes. In other words, when you say inspiring, that's something that would give us all hope? Yes, hope and, and positivity. Yeah. So you feel for you that there's just plenty more for you to write? Definitely. And I really have enjoyed meeting and getting to know you, Marion. Thank you so much. Keep us abreast of what's going on in your life. And you've got a lot on your plate, especially with the way the world is today. You give us hope and encouragement, and that's a great thing to have. Thank you, Sandy. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.